Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch Acadiana. One of the traditional instruments in Cajun music is the triangle. Although it couldn't be much more basic, its simple presence forms the foundation of many songs. Now there's another kind of fundamental triangle that distinguishes and connects three sides of Acadiana, rural life, city life, and Cajun culture. The Bayou Vermilion District is committed to the preservation and enhancement of natural and cultural resources for residents of Lafayette Parish. The BVD provides boat, canoe, and kayak launches along the river and maintains public parks. Now, they also have a living history museum, a folk life park, and a restaurant, and they have over 50,000 visitors a year. The CEO of Bayou Vermilion District is David Sheremy. David, welcome out to lunch. Oh, thank you, Hubs. Cities across the country, in part inspired by New York's Central Park, have realized the importance for preserving green space for recreation and as a home for cultural events. Here in Lafayette in 2012, the city bought the horse farm, 100 acres of green space on Johnston Street, and a new nonprofit Lafayette Central Park is now leasing it. Today it's in the process of converting what was once a playground for horses into a playground for people. The company's director of administration and capital projects is E.B. Brooks. E.B., welcome out to lunch. Thank you. David, the Bayou Vermilion District has a full schedule of recreational, cultural, and educational activities. They've centered around looking back and looking forward, back at the rich history of Acadiana and forward to preserving the environment for future generations. Many of these activities are free and open to the public, but whether you're recreating a traditional Cajun celebration or teaching people how to make a rainwater collection system, none of these activities are free to put on. How are you funding all of this? Are you subsidized in part by the city or the state, or are you self-financed? Well, we're, we're both. We're kind of a hybrid uh, a governmental agency. We're actually a subdivision of the state of Louisiana, but all of our um, funding comes from the Lafayette Parish. We get a millage, uh, but we get all of our, our funding, and the uh, commissioners who are named to our board are all named by uh, different political entities within Lafayette Parish. City Parish government, the, what we call the area mayors, where all the mayors of Lafayette Parish except the mayor of uh, Lafayette City proper, and, and the mayor himself. So, so we're, we're a, like I said, a hybrid in that fact uh, that we're a state agency, but we're within Lafayette. And also the museum is also pretty much self-funded also. We have admission, uh, we, we have the restaurant also, we do catering, also have weddings, receptions. Uh, seminars, uh, lots of activities that uh, you know people pay for our services, like the kayaks and the. the well, the kayaks actually we do that. Uh, only thing we charge is for insurance purposes. Uh, we just charge five dollars, you know, wow. so it can be covered by the American Kayak uh, Canoe or rather, 
association, and, uh, but the kayaking is pretty much free. Bayou Vermilion District was first created in 1984. Bayou Vermilion was one of the most polluted waterways in the, in the country, not wow. just the state of Louisiana, but in the country. And we've done a great job, I feel, in cleaning up that bayou. We've, we have boons out uh, in several of uh, the uh, coolies and the ditches that collect trash which flows out of uh, Lafayette Parish, uh, especially at certain times of the year, like at Mardi Gras. Our, our guys who clean up the bayou know that uh, the first big rain after Mardi Gras, they better put their big boy pants on because <laughs> the bayou is going to be pretty dirty. It's going to be, it's gonna be a, a, a mess out there. And we also uh, keep up the, the, um, the, like you said, the canoe and the kayak launches. Fishing piers also have Southside Park, North Landing, uh, Rotary Point, uh, Beaver Park Landing also, and we're uh, working at, at expanding those operations also. Now, EB, building a large urban park on the scale of Lafayette Central Park is more complex than putting up a fence and mowing the lawns. You're, you're operating so far on a $2.6 million grant from the Lafayette Public Trust Financing Agency. What does this amount of money allow you to do, and is it enough to fund the park uh, until opening day? No, actually, so what we're doing is um, we are privately fundraising for the capital costs of the actual construction. Um, and what we are actually using that funding for from the Lafayette Public Trust Financing Authority is to fund our organization, all our administrative costs, all of the engagement we did in the community to develop the master plan, uh, paying our designers, so the landscape architects, the architects, the engineers. Um, and that is really going to, it has carried us to date and it will carry us until we break ground. Now this was uh, years ago, this was UL's equine uh, center, right? Is yes, it was. It was actually originally the uh, the dairy farm. So in 1920, they purchased the property and they ran it as a dairy farm for decades. Uh, and then they moved the cattle off, moved the horses on, and that's kind of where it got its nickname. Well, and I'm, you know, I'm just so glad you've been able to do this. If you look at the great cities in the country, that's what they all have in common. They, they took a piece of green space and that's what made it livable. Right. And, uh, Right, well, and that, we're actually really fortunate in that Lafayette's university, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, had purchased that property and the city grew around it. And so in 2005, there was some development plans to make the university some money so that they could um, find some property closer to campus. Um, but the community really rose up and actually saved that property from development. So we're actually really lucky that we have this 100 acres right in the middle of the city that we're going to transform into this park. Well, and the park itself, I was reading, is going to be, it's kind of 16 different sections, right? What are some of the things that you'll be offering there? And then will they all roll out at once or little by little? No, I think we're going to phase it, obviously, because I think the, the full build out of the park in today's dollars is probably about $50 million. So we're going to phase it and kind of build it out in stages. But in the first phase, we hope to incorporate a farmer's market pavilion, a small amphitheater, obviously a lot of walking trails and biking trails, really enhance some of the natural features of the property. So there's a beautiful ravine that runs through it, for example. So we'll make kind of a woodland garden there um, with some nice nature trails. Uh, we also um, hope to build a, kind of a, a new pond, essentially, and have wetlands planted along the edge where we can talk about the importance of water quality and water in Louisiana's landscape. Um, and obviously, the Cooley Mean actually runs through the property, so kind of using some green infrastructure elements to kind of clean that water up before it goes into the Bayou Vermilion with David Jeremy's organization. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll have less so trash for them to pick up. Less big boy pants. That's <laughs> <how they laughs> Smaller <laughs> big boy pants, right. <laughs> So, so yeah. Well, and now what about revenue sources from, are some of those things going to be uh, revenue? I saw somewhere that 
even down the road you had a mini golf uh, idea or yes. such. Yes, yep. yeah. So that's really kind of critical for our organization as a nonprofit that's running a public space essentially. We need to look at all of the elements within the park and think about how they're going to generate revenue into perpetuity. So when we're designing spaces in the park, we obviously think like, would a bride want to get married there? Or could we rent this out for a small festival? Or, um, you know, obviously, the farmer's market pavilion, can it be multi-purpose so we can have multiple markets or um, other types of events or maybe even a gala there or something like that. So it's definitely kind of a consideration that we need to consider every time we make a design decision um, about how much money can this make us. And also on the balance of that is how much is this going to cost to operate and maintain? Well, so I think both to E.B. and David's uh, point in here, people come to these places, have wonderful wonderful memories and such, but they don't know there's a business behind it, I think. And of course, mm -hmm. that's, that's good. They shouldn't be worrying about that when they come, but, but you folks have had to really either know a lot about the business side or learn a lot. Yeah. Did you, have you, has been some on-the-job uh, training? I would say a lot of on-the-job training. <laughs> I don't think anybody in this city has really built a 100-acre park before, so I think um, both our board and our staff have really had to kind of use a lot of great consultants from around the country to help us develop the models that we're going to use uh, to stay financially sustainable. And I think um, hopefully we've been really good at that to date, and I, I know that it's going to take some unfolding to kind of see if it comes out, but I think that we're, mm -hmm. we're on track. Yeah, and, uh, I think my training also, I look at it, I think everything that I've done in my life has pretty much led up to this position because I do have a, a, a background in retail sales. I do have a background in education. I do have a, a, a background in the education, the language and history. Uh, and, and growing up on the bayou, I grew up on, on the bayou myself, not Bayou Vermilion, but Bayou Lafouche. So oh, I'm wow. very familiar with the, the ecology and the environment and the, and, the, and the close ties between the Cajun and Creole culture and our environment. I mean, we are literally born of this land and that's why it's so far uh, so important that we have to continue having this land because as we know, it's disappearing, you know, and we're part of that, not here in Vermilion, uh, on the Bayou Vermilion, but in Vermilion Parish, yes, it is yes. just right downstream from us, and it might get to Lafayette, and hopefully not in my lifetime, but, you know, maybe one of these days, so as more environmentally conscious, we can make people uh, aware of what's going on in our environment and how important it is to our culture, I think the better chance we have of long-term survival. Now, David E.B., we're also joined today by our entrepreneur du jour, and let me introduce you to Brandon Broussard. Uh, we met Brandon through Innovate Acadiana and the Opportunity Machine, regional nonprofits that help Acadian entrepreneurs uh, turn innovative ideas into profitable enterprises, and marketing professor uh, Dr. Blake Escaday as well. Uh, Brandon, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Now, Brandon, you epitomize all three sides of this Acadiana Triangle we're talking about today. You're a teacher at Acadiana High School. You're teaching uh, traditional and modern skills of uh, meat processing and agriculture, 4-H, all of that. You're also an entrepreneur with a small business, teaching Zydeco and Cajun dancing. You've had success with your business outside of Lafayette, teaching at festivals around the country, which seems to make a lot of sense, the assumption being that people who live in Lafayette probably already know how to dance or could pick it up at live music events. Now you're focusing on Acadiana. Who is your target clientele for dance students? That's an interesting question. Um, it, it's a hit or miss uh, business. Uh, as you mentioned, people here, either they know how to dance or they don't. And so some don't want to say they know how to dance, some say they know how to dance. And so, you know, there's always that mixed match of people when you go to a dance hall or a festival and the ones that are dancing and want to dance and love to dance are dancing. 
and the ones that don't know how or are scared or skeptical are kind of sitting on the sidelines tapping their feet. Can anybody be taught feet. to dance? Yes. Oh, this is what yes, I hope for. Definitely. Yes, the kids are obviously easier, just like learning a language. They <laughs> pick it up really quick. Um, but I have had many experiences with uh, men and women uh, both. And sometimes I have to blindfold them. Sometimes I have to make sure they don't look <laughs> at their feet. Um, there's all kinds is of... Is this um, a scared straight program or a dance lesson? Yeah, I well, don't it's, 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 a, it's a counseling session sometimes. <laughs> it really is. Uh, it's a very uh, emotional and intense uh, situation. It's a very intimate situation at the same time. It's between two people. It's not an intimate dance. Uh, and then you mix the cultural aspects into it. And if it's someone that's rooted here, um, it's a sense of feel of, of culture. In the, uh, are there more men that don't know how to dance than women? Is that, I would think that, um, but maybe that's not right. My experience is most women that come to my classes for lessons, they've, they've had experience in a class setting, so ballroom and, mm -hmm. and so forth, uh, which is a little bit more structured, I find, from cultural dancing. Uh, but there are some men that pick it up. The counseling session begins when the lead is typically the male okay. and the follow is the female. But typically when they come to my class, the female knows more, so they're wanting to lead. And so usually by lesson four or five, that, that pivotal moment changes, and then that's when the, the roles reverse. But it's very tricky, you know, because it's intimate. Now that you're back, Brandon, in Acadiana fo uh, on a focus, how are you marketing yourself? Uh, it's, it's difficult. Uh, I typically start giving lessons before or after festivals because that's when people think about it. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know how to dance. Festival's coming. Festival's of Cotton is growing near in Black Pot. And, and that's when they start thinking about it. It's almost too late sometimes at that point, you know. <laughs> um, but it's a hard market in this area because, as we said, either people know how to do it or don't, or they're content with their level, you know, of dancing. Do you, do you have flyers at those events? Or? I typically will sometimes put out flyers. Most of my business is word of mouth. Um, I'm currently teaching some classes at Citadel's Arts, and so they have an email list that I give them the, the information and the time, the date and the cost, and then they send it out for me. Um, I've put list, uh, listed lessons in the Daily Advertiser and so forth, so. E.B. and David, do you, do you Cajun dance? <laughs> you. Well, no, I, no, I do not. You do not? I do not dance, no, I, and I get, I, no, I don't. E.B. is looking at me what? with those eyes. <laughs> no, I, well, let's, let's put it this way. Um, my wife is from France, and she uh, grew up Protestant. You know, so they don't dance, you know, so I don't, so I don't, I never had, so I never had to learn how to dance to, to, you know, to woo my mate, as it were. You oh, know, yes, so right. And, but working in Vermeerville, we have our Sunday dances every Sunday, and I get solicited all the time, by the, you know, our, our clients want to dance with me, and I, and I say, well, if I start dancing with one client, I'm going to have to dance with all the women. Before and then, you know it, you'll be and good. And, and, well, before I'll be good, and then I might be getting into trouble, too. I don't know. <laughs> so I just assume, you know, not dance with anybody at, uh, and let the other people dance. And, and if you could see our dance floor, you would believe it has been taking a pounding for years. Mm -hmm. People love to dance at Vermilionville. E.B., do you a dancer? I am. I actually learned to dance at Vermilionville, mm -hmm. which the Bayou Vermilion District runs. So I paid to take a class with one of his teachers, and I brought my boyfriend, and I was like, listen, I need to know all those fancy turns mm -hmm. and spins because I you know, knew the footwork, mm -hmm. but... I just really wanted to know the pinwheel and all the mm -hmm. cool stuff that people are doing out there. And so, yeah, I did learn all of that at his classes, and um, I'm very grateful for it. And you know what you have in common with, this is, is in fact, a triangle here, yes. but you have a business that people don't think of as a business. Yes. And uh, yes. is it taking a little bit to, uh, you're always a great dancer, let's yes. say, but. Uh, well, and it's hard, you know, you asked David and, and Evie uh, about um, their experience with their current position and I feel the same you know it's just it's evo I've evolved in, into knowing 
marketing and so forth and that for my background is education and so I, didn't, I don't have to market myself necessarily in the classroom. But it's tricky because it's something that I'm really passionate about doing so sometimes it's really hard to set that price. You know, and people will tell me, man, you should be charging this much, they're charging this much in New Orleans, and New Orleans might be a little more touristy, and, and people are willing to pay that money. So, and I've had that discussion with many people, you know, how much do I charge? What's the, the going rate? Or, and, you know, some people's experiences and, and comments are, well, you're very experienced, you know what you're doing. And I do, but I don't think about that while I'm teaching. You know, I don't think about the profit margin. And when you create a new business like this, uh, um, how are the people, you mentioned other dance instructors, yes. for instance, do they become kind of a, do they, a sounding board? Do they help you out? Um, it's a small little culture, a small little world, a small little circle uh, in that. And there are a handful of people that teach. Um, we don't collaborate much. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a, we all have slightly different styles. And when I dance with a, with a female instructor, um, everyone everyone after will say wow that was amazing and at the same time it's it's difficult because it's it's a test so it's not a competition um, but you you have slightly different styles so you know people are watching so you're tweaking yourself every step and every moment of that dance to make sure it's right now David you've you've done a great job of creating one entity with two very well, not completely different, but you've got a cultural and an environmental aspect right. to mm -hmm. it. Uh, first of all, on the environmental uh, end, you mentioned how polluted things were. Why, mm. why was it polluted? Was it? Well, it was a cultural thing in, in the sense that people just didn't think twice about, you know, and they still don't probably think twice, but they might still do it, about throwing trash out the car window or, you know, uh, putting their cigarette butts out in the street because cigarette butts, you know, people don't realize it, but that is the most polluting thing because of all the chemicals that are in the, the filters and that leaks into the water and that pollutes the water and it's, it's really terrible. Uh, but it's just getting people to understand that just put your trash in the garbage can, recycling. It's, 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 tra it's an education process, you know, like, like Brandon was saying. You have to just teach people to get this reflex that when you have trash, keep it in your car until you get home, then you throw it in your garbage, you don't throw it out the window. If you're going doing a picnic or whatever, don't just shake your blanket and just, you know, all your right. trash flow, you know, fly all over the place, you know. Like, or if, you know, no diapers in the parking lots, you know, that's something that really kills me is when I see a baby right. diaper in a parking lot in a big lot store. I don't see how people can, can do that. But, um, but it, it's, it's cultural in the fact that you have to cherish this, this land and uh, the way we cherish the music, the food, the dance, even, even if we don't dance. <laughs> but I do eat and I do sing, and I do, uh, <laughs> but I don't play an instrument. If it wouldn't be for KRVS, I couldn't play the radio, even, <laughs> you know, around here. What but a great plug, then. <laughs> 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 oh, we, we love KRVS here. And, Evie, I've got a question for you in terms of the idea of bringing back downtown and the importance of having this, this gigantic, beautiful park. I mean, is there an education uh, to teaching people about living downtown? Absolutely, what we've tried to do throughout our engagement in the community is really talking about the, the reason why we need parks and green spaces and why we need that connectivity and why alternative transportation, for example, is such a kind of critical feature for the future. Uh, while we didn't focus much on it in the past, I think that Lafayette's really trying to change that culture um, and incorporating, you know, planning for these new corridors and planning for this new connectivity for all users, regardless of age or ability, right? The concept of kind of complete streets. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think it's, We've really tried to emphasize that throughout everything that we've done. And I think that we've been really successful. We were very seren like serendipitously lucky that um, at the same time that we kind of started doing the park, uh, Lafayette started doing the comprehensive planning process. And so all yeah. of those kind of buzzwords about 
you know, the urban core and density and you know, connectivity and alternative transportation were already somewhat in the vernacular of the language at the time, and so it was really important uh, for us because we were able to capitalize on that. There's a huge campaign that's happening here called um, Project Front Yard, which is essentially kind of couched around the idea that like we're all so proud of our backyard. Right, we had these amazing lush landscapes and all these great parties, and our houses are, you know, these like party central places. But um, what we have not been so good at is the front yard. So the litter that he's talking about picking up in the river and all that stuff about, you know, like people just not really taking into consideration their daily actions. That is what Project Front Yard is about. Really trying to recapture the excitement about being proud of your place and you know, investing in that future because quality of life is the only thing people care about these days when they move somewhere. Well, now it's the part of the show where we do the checklist. Uh, it's when we take a little break and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with, uh, with Brandon. Um, what part of your job uh, gives you the most satisfaction? I guess I'll have to ask which job, too. Um, I'd have to say just education in general. I, I've... I've learned over time, I'm 37, and um, every time I, I study a topic, I, I learn it well, and I love teaching it. So my background is agriculture education from UL, and everything David and EB's talking about, you know, it's in integrated into my class, much less the dancing. So, um, you know, the talk about environment and erosion is something I talk about all the time in my class. And as EB noted, you know, local is very important. Um, so. You know, going back to dancing, I guess, the, the look on people's faces when they're, they, they get the dance or they get the, the footwork or they're talking and laughing and um, not so much the congratulations to me, but just um, the essence of them learning something that they can keep with them. And I think the same thing David and E.B. are alluding to, you know, keeping the bayou clean, keeping the culture right. alive, keeping, you know, local atmosphere alive. Um, it's something that Lafayette has that's very special. So there is a moment, like as a, even as yes. a dancer, where it's like, wait yes. a minute, I may get this. Yes, <laughs> so there is a moment. That's the part I'm trying to get to, so that'll be very good now. <laughs> now, E.B., what's the best career advice that you've personally ever been given? You know what, the assistant to the mayor of Houston once told me, E.B., the more you do, the more you can do. And I think I've taken that in different ways throughout my career. You know, on one level you can look at it that, you know, just the more you're active, the more people ask you to be active. Um, but also, I mean, just taking that institutional knowledge and applying it to new endeavors in your life, um, I think is really one of those things that I always kind of remember every day. The more you do, the more you can do. And it always keeps you positive, keeps you on track, and keeps you moving forward. Wow. I remember I, I saw an old boss of mine I hadn't seen in 20 years, and he said to me, he said, Peter, I always knew you were going to be good at something. I remember thinking, that, I don't know what that implies, really. But <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> thank you. There's a, David, who do you, how do you hire, and what questions do you ask an applicant? Well, um, I try to hire people, of course, qualified. Uh, in, in, at Bayou Remain District, it depends. We have a, a wide variety of, of positions open. We have over, uh, about 50, um, both part-time and full-time employees everything from artisans to biotechnicians to cooks, et cetera. Um, but I, the one thing I look for a person whenever I, uh, I hire that person, I say, could this person eventually take my job? 
I always try to look Excellent. for somebody who's very ambitious, who in wants to do what I do. In a positive way, right? In a positive <laughs> way. Not somebody's going to stab me in the back to do that. You know, but, uh, but who knows? Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> you never can't tell. Something, you know, we're like in the Greek tragedies where all the artisans have our own demise, I guess, <laughs> it, eventually. But, um, but yeah, I always look for, you know, try to hire people uh, younger or older than me who, who have a lot of potential, who really love what we're doing. And, and really, at the Bayou Vermilion District in Vermilionville, it's really a labor of love because, you know, nobody's, nobody's getting rich with what we're doing. I know right. and nobody's getting rich with y'all doing either, right. but it's because we really love what we're doing. We, we love this culture, we love the environment, and we have a passion for it, and we want to be leaders. You know, I want to I want to hire people who want to be leaders. We want to take the lead and do great things that I don't have to, you know, micromanage uh, continually. That here's, here's the broad outlines of what you want to do. Now, here's the, the, the money and the budget and the personnel you need to do it. Now, go ahead and show me that you can do it. And that's what I look for in a person when I hire somebody. And so you're looking at somebody not only that can do this particular skill you're hiring, mm -hmm. but but could move up in the organization. I look for people that have growth potential and growth, because, you know, uh, especially nowadays, you know, um, the, the old days of working for GM, I guess, you know, 50 years or whatever, are gone. You know, nobody's going to, you know, uh, is going to work for the same company for, the, for their whole life anymore. And people uh, take their skills they, they've learned and honed in, in one uh, position and take it to somewhere else. You know, that's, I think that's, that's what's the beauty of what this new generation is, uh, has, uh, one of the things it has to offer. Ab absolutely. And as a testament to David's hiring capabilities, almost every single one of my friends have worked for David and loved it. So <laughs> he's he's clearly and if somebody comes to steal them from me after this. Oh you know, that's yeah, then. <laughs> but you know that's all. That's that's a good sign. I've stolen some people from other other <laughs> employers too. That's it's all. That's part of the game. <laughs> that's just good management. That uh -huh. it's nice that the people you pick as friends are the same people he picks as employees. There that's must right. be some common denominator right. there. <laughs> David Sheremy, E. B. Brooks. Brandon Broussard, there's no doubt that the economic and population growth of Lafayette and Acadiana needs to remain linked to the preservation of both the culture and the natural environment that makes this part of the world so unique. You three are actively involved in making sure that happens. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join me and, and coming out for uh, Out to Lunch. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Impressive folks. Uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been David Sheremy, CEO of Bayou Vermilion District, and E.B. Brooks. She's the Director of Administration and Capital Projects for Lafayette Central Park Incorporated and Zydeco and Cajun dance instructor Brandon Broussard. You can find out more about David's Bayou, E.B.'s Park, and Brandon's dancing by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar in Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner with brunch on Sundays. The producer of the show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Dominic Lloyd. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from the Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escaday. Our theme song, On Coeur Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's Acadiana.com and krvs.org. If you want to know what we look like, that's an interesting perspective, you can see photos of this show on our website and Facebook pages. These photos were all taken by Gwen Oquin. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calise Saloon, offering a complimentary airport shuttle and within a three-mile radius reaching downtown shopping and local restaurants. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch.
Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including Lafayette and Lake Charles. Providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.